We're slovenly, we're feelingy, we're really kinda dumb. We're Terry, Shar, and Lissa, all here to have some fun. So guard your holes, let's make some rolls and talk some D&D with the Cave Trolls. The crisp autumn breeze. I normally like uh, I like it for my fashion because I look good in flannel, so I wear a lot of that mm. or the cardigans. Yeah. But uh, I, I like the summer. I like rocking a shorts and t-shirt and just being able to chill <laughs> in the AC. But hasn't been my friend this year. No, it doesn't sound like it. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry if I if I sound a little uh, angry. <laughs> So angry I couldn't even come up with a good synonym. I'm just like, no, I'm just pissed. That's I'm just, all. I'm just angry. No metaphors, uh, no similes, nothing. I'm sure there's one in there uh, that matches more correctly than angry, because it's not just anger, you know. Like I, let's be yeah. honest. I, I'm a white dude. I'm usually a little angry, uh, unjustifiably usually. so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just but, your default setting. Exactly. Anger. Yeah. That's why I have a podcast, you know. <laughs> Every white dude needs a podcast. Yeah, I think it's, it's required by law. Things. Yeah, And that's the thing yeah. is, I don't normally have much to complain about. My life's pretty close <laughs> to easy mode. I recognize but Somehow, that. y'all find a way. Life finds a way. Life uh, finds a way. Oh, I'm hoping it's like the air conditioning shorted or something outside because of the water and it just needs to dry off and the fan will kick on and everything will be fine. Oh, maybe. Maybe. Is it like a building? Is Terry back? I am. I am back. And yeah, so like we have like 45 AC units outside of each apartment building. Right. And like one AC unit is for two different apartments. Oh, okay. And they're usually close to each other. And I ran into Uh my next door neighbor outside. He was like, hey, my Uh AC's out. And I was like, hey, my fucking AC's out. Hey, great. (laughs) So, any hoozle, we're all here. We're all ready. We're ready. Lissa, you ready? I apologize for any barking I cannot control. That's okay. okay. Barking happens. You ready? Ready. Ready. <laughs> All right. Hello and welcome to the Cave Trolls Podcast. My name is Terry Smith. And with me, as always, is one half of the Slavonly Trolls, Sade. How you doing? I'm doing great. Woo. Great. Like Tony the Tiger. Great. Uh, <laughs> Lisa, how are you doing? I am doing Good, good. I'm glad. I'm, I'm glad you're doing what? I'm glad you're doing. You don't that. know. You don't know. It's a. It's a. It's a, it's a, it's a secret. That's the Super point. That's, that's kind of. I think what she was asking was like, like inquiring minds want to know. You know. Yeah, but they won't know. Oh, okay. Of mystery that you are maintaining, I yeah. will respect that. Yeah, good, good talk, I guess. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, for the uninitiated, the Cachels Podcast is the only podcast that brings you all of the TTRPG news that you need to know about. Um, if you're getting it somewhere else, you're doing it wrong because we got it here. Okay, like why? Why are you going over there? Just, just stay here. We'll tell you the stuff. Um, we have other stuff to talk about, but first, I want to mention that I'm cranky because my AC's out and my roof is leaking. 
and I'm trying to move, <laughs> and I'm like a few weeks behind on Cajol stuff, and I apologize <laughs> for the lack of artwork. <laughs> There's some shit going down. Some of it's good, some of it's not. So if you hear this like undertone of anger, I was telling Charday in the background, like, hey, there's a little bit. So that's what you're hearing. But you're a man, so like your default emotion is anger. So <laughs> is there a read Terry day today? Because I didn't get the memo. <laughs> isn't that isn't that every day for you two? <laughs> like, is that a different? I'll say every day. Yeah, yeah. What do you mean? <laughs> is that a different mode for you two? Well, I guess we could like crank up the dial. Or no, I did. <laughs> <laughs> no one said that <laughs> it sounds like you were asking for it no no i'll just say that it's usually what's happening anyways um real quick bit of housekeeping lawyery rights are on the way uh slavenly trolls is recording soon um bitches and books is going point. live today when we're recording this um, which is the 24th of August in the year 2023. So, you Whoa. know, keep an eye out for those. If you like comic books, go check out my uh, Zoop campaign crowdfunder for my new comic book, Tokyo Fire. It is live right now. If you're like, what the fuck's a Zoop? Go to zoop.gg. It's really easy. It's like Kickstarter for comic books. Look for Tokyo Fire. That's me. I'm there. T.S. Luther. That's my name on books. You can you can wow. go give me money for it if you want to. Or you can just like send it to a friend and they can give me money. If you're like, hey, I won't do that, <laughs> but I know this Rube who will, I'll send that Rube a good comic book. That's okay. It's not. You're not tricking them. They're going to get something good out of it. So it's okay. Yeah, that's how that works. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely how that works. Yep. <laughs> They, can send, they don't have to buy it, but you can send them the link. You know what I'm saying? That's all. That's all I'm saying. Anyways, let's jump into the show. First up is our Bits and Bobs sections where we talk about all the new games and supplements coming to a table near you. Right now, the first one we have is a 5e product. Let's guess what kind of controversy is around it. So far, I haven't heard anything, but who knows? Give it a so, week. Sex bingo card. Is it racism? <laughs> is it sexism? Is it uh, weird practices with their employees? Is Are we including those? I thought that was already guaranteed. I was talking about a new controversy. Oh, well, there is something uh, here to fill in. So There is yeah, something to fill in? I'm sure there is. Like, don't. There's don't, a free spot, a so, you know. <laughs> I thought you didn't know something. I was like, oh, shit, I was making a joke, but. Uh... No. <laughs> Even a broken no, clock, right? No, but I mean, after the year that Wizards of the Coast has had, like, as a company and Hasbro has as a company, other than, like, like maybe the movie and the success of Baldur's Gate 3, like, listen. <laughs> like, I wouldn't be surprised. But also, both of those very loosely tied to Hasbro itself, right? Like, <laughs> you oh, got yeah, other companies like, making both were, of them. Yeah, there were other companies involved, other productions, other dev teams. Like, <laughs> it didn't just... It wasn't just in-house. It's usually the in-house stuff. That's exclusively <laughs> the in-house stuff that we're concerned about. Well, anyways, Fan Delver and Below promises a nostalgic romp through Dungeons & Dragons 5E's beginnings. Uh, we've talked about this, uh, not this new one, but Fan Delver specifically a few times. Uh, that was right around when I uh, jumped into 5E's while I was part of that initial playtest. D&D Next, and I played Fandelver. Uh, I know the Adventure Zone first started with that campaign. A lot of people do, because that was the first 5e campaign. Uh, have you two become a little bit more familiar with it from your research, or are you still like, I know the word Fandelver? 
I know the word. <laughs> like, I don't think Fandelver has ever come up in Slovenly Trolls research at all. And we both, in our long form 5e campaigns, play homebrew worlds. Right. So it's never right. really come up, I don't think. Maybe like monsters and stuff, or maybe plot lines have like weirdly come up. But if they have, we haven't traced them back yet. Yeah, so I don't just even throw, think I've throw a little fandolin in adventure. there. You know, like you want you want to go to the the farming area. Like farms? yeah, that's exactly what I want to do. Yeah, in your fantasy I want to play Stardew in my fantasy game. Yeah. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm gonna read from Chase Carter's article over at Dicebreaker. Nostalgia is a hell of a drug, or so the saying goes. We all yearn for a taste of Halcyon days, but rarely find the same pleasure in revisiting the setting or object of those memories in the present day. Dungeons and Dragons wants to break that mold with its upcoming source book, Fandelver and Below: The Shattered Obelisk, which returns to the village where Fifth Edition's official adventures begin. Are began first teased earlier this year. Fandelver Below is an upcoming source book for D and D Five E, set in a village that the majority of players will remember from the introductory adventure Lost Minds of Fandelver, first published in 2014. Much of the experience has been reimagined and considerably expanded, according to a recent press event by publisher Wizard of the Coast. Characters will begin at level one and progress through a place that feels like coming at, uh, coming home at first, but quickly reveals a strange and corrupted underbelly. In Fandelver and below the Shattered Obelisk, players are immersed in a story that gets stranger and becomes more ominous as the adventure goes on. Uh, so the idea, you get there, there's a village, there's something going wrong, there's something messing up with the uh, with the uh, creatures around there. It leads you to the mind. We've heard this story before, but they're tweaking it a little bit more. I think the interesting part and the reason why I wanted to put this on here in general, yeah, there's a new book. That's cool. You can go check it out. We really don't buy a lot of D&D source books from Wizards these days. Um, but the more interesting part, I think, is what the hell are they doing? Why are they putting out a level one campaign when they're about to reboot the system? Yeah, I don't know, because a lot of, I there's way more um, demand, from what I understand, in my mm -hmm. corners of the community and the internet, there's way more demand for epic level stuff. 100%. Like, epi like, like epic level written campaigns than there is for introductory campaigns, because you have the starter set. You have like all of the like even Wild Beyond the Witchlight you can which is a newer I have, like, one of the six starter campaigns. sets including the the They're, or not including yeah. the ones that you mentioned. Yeah, they have a bunch of starter sets. A lot of their even more recent campaigns you can start them at level one. We just and did so that. People... We just did Rhyme of the Frost Maiden, right? That's a level one campaign. Just did. We did this started like two years ago, but yes, I. <laughs> yeah, but when yeah. you play every six months, one session, you know, right. like it counts. Yeah, <laughs> it, it counts. It We're counts. adults who play D and D. Um, you play when you play. Exactly, and like I've played through Epic level, like literally only one other time because I ended my own campaign before we got to like the one that I run as a DM before we got to twentieth level for a myriad of reasons. But one mm -hmm. of those was because I was, I didn't have a lot of source material to draw upon to properly run an Epic level campaign. Like I did not think I could balance it correctly. I didn't have enough confidence in myself. And having, and I think a lot of DMs feel that same way because, like, the spells alone get outrageous. So having, like, a campaign that's written by Wizards of the Coast to, like, have that baseline of here's what an epic level campaign could look like. So people could base their own, like, homebrews off of it so people can play that epic level campaign. I don't know why they keep going back to level one. Like that doesn't make any sense from My... the corners. Well, go ahead, okay. 
so i mean they just released a movie right and they think that they have this new fan base that they can cater to and from you know the capitalistic point of view i mean you've just released a movie you're expecting a whole lot of people to find out what dnd is like what dnd is based on the movie and be like maybe i should play and dip their toe into dnd and where do you start you start with low level campaigns so I think that they're just catering to the new players that may or may not be coming in. I don't know how well the movie did and how well that's like uh, translated into sales of D&D. But I, I just, it just makes sense that they just had, you know, this good movie last spring or this spring rather. And now they'd be releasing new content for, you know, these possible new players that they could be getting and or seeing in their sales and catering to those players who are new, who need content and they maybe don't know which ones to play, but if they, you know, do the right marketing, they can be like, Oh, this is for you. Yeah. This, this is the is, new one. This is the, this is for you. Who's new to D and D don't know where to start and need a low level campaign. Here's an introductory book to D and D that you can run for your players with no experience needed. Yeah, and, and I, you just I open, crack it open and run it through. Yeah, I think you're 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 definitely right on that point, Lissa. I think it's uh, even a little bit further than just just the movie. As much as I think, just new players are easier to sell to than older players. Older players mm. are, are get set mm. in a world like we just talked about. I, a lot of players don't buy those those early books again, where they know new players buy lots of books. Right? I'm sure they have the numbers to show the discrepancy, but. Like newer players buy more of these books. Let's put out a new book for those new players. We got a new inductee, you know, set yeah, coming in the, because of the movie. It makes sense, I guess. Yeah, the decision doesn't come out of left field. It just feels like after everything that Wizard of the Coast has been doing to the community that already exists, like they should be groveling. That that was my point. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like I, I get, I guess, like Lisa, you make a really good point from like a capitalistic standpoint. I understand why they're putting this book out, and that's all they really need, right? They're a big corporation, so they're gonna do that. The problem yeah. is, is like you're losing more people because you don't have this, and you're you're trying to gear people up for this new game, but you're introducing more people to the old one like really hard with a yeah. book like this. But because like, like there outside, are go ahead, sorry. There, I was just going to say, there are multiple angles to this. Like, there probably isn't one cut and dry answer, because we're obviously confused. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, like, there's a part of me that is interested in this, because this is closer to Rhyme of the Frost Maiden when it comes to how big this book is. So, mm. reading further, uh, it goes from level 1 all the way to, like, level 12. You follow the Blight that I was mentioning that, that's there. You follow it all the way down to the Underdark, and it introduces you to multiple settings as you go through. It's a little bit more robust than the original adventure of Fandelver. Um, so I, I could see them going, Hey, we write these different books. Rhyme of the Frost Maiden did really well. Let's write some more of these more in depth adventure campaigns. Um, and let's revisit one. So, like, the idea itself, I don't think is bad for new players. It's just that so many players that already exist who want books like this are like, Well, I would go back to Fandelver, I guess, but I don't want to start a new campaign when we're about to start a new campaign when the new game comes out. 
Um, yeah. I would love to finish our old ones. <laughs> that like I've I've seen, and again, it's all anecdotal. But I've watched a lot of different groups talk about this, with, with like just in the last week of people being like, "Hey, like, how about we get one that takes us to level 20? <laughs> like, please." Yeah, like the satisfaction of taking a group from level one to twenty. I think the only campaign that I and Liz and I were both in this campaign, so. We started at what level eight or nine? We didn't even technically start at level one, I don't think. We started like almost halfway through the level progression system, and even that, starting at level eight or whatever and going to level twenty, is so satisfying. Like more people should want to do that if their schedules allow. Obviously, sometimes it just doesn't work out, and that's that fucking sucks. Yep. <laughs> like, but they should still have tools for that. But it's just like this little like hole in the 5e system that players who've been playing for a while can see and it's just disappointing for the community to not get that on top of everything else so really we still have negative <laughs> so adding to the bingo card uh hasbro not giving a shit about their community that's just a space that's a free space in the middle they don't really care they just want more new people and right. they want to cater to the people like Lissa said, being brought in by the movie and also potentially with Baldur's Gate 3 because I've seen a lot of people post reviews online. And I, I think I was telling Lissa about this the other day, like on Steam, people posting reviews, like not understanding why the dice mechanic is there. And I'm just like, my God, <laughs> <laughs> like, what, what are you talking about? I'll take it a step <laughs> further. So I had a couple of friends that um, I'm friends with on Steam. They're like comic book buddies. So they also create comic books. And yeah. they know that I'm a big D&D dude as well. And so they reached out. They're like, hey, so, like, I understand, I think, the dice is from the game, right? And I go, yes. And they go, <laughs> yeah. can you tell me more about this? So I tell them a little bit more about it. And they go, can we play it? Like, is it a thing oh, that we can still do? Yeah. Like, So, like, it is bringing in players. And we'll talk about Baldur's it Gate, is. I'm sure, a little bit later. But, like, so I, I don't think you're you're wrong at all. I think you're both spot on, as usual, right? Like, it's bringing in new players from Baldur's Gate, from the movie. They got to cater to yeah. them. But, man, like, there's already so many of those. Just reprint one. I feel like it would be cheaper because you keep oh, running oh, the shit God. with artists and AI. and Yeah, just, like, reprint an old, like, classic. Like like you said, Rhyme of the Frostmaiden is great. And it's yeah. one of your favorite campaigns. I love playing in it. Just repurpose something like a beloved, like, early on campaign. It would cost you literally less money. <laughs> because <laughs> you already have all the content. Just make it a special edition cover. Or, like, release like a uh adventure in ball i don't know if the fifth edition has this because again i don't use the adventure there, there's some adventures in baller's gate but not as many as yeah, you if think you, if with you have, yeah with all the different tie-ins adventures in baldur's gate like do a re-release of that or if you have like you know the adventure i know it's the adventure league is pretty big so i know they have their own little like campaign books for the adventure league games so mm -hmm. why don't you just bundle up all but, the Baldur's Gate Adventure League games and re-release that, the Baldur's Gate collection? Like, come on, man. I'm but, doing your marketing for you. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah but, but how well have new releases gone for Wizards of the Coast? Let's look at the past year. And let's, let's honestly just look at how well they have done in the past year with new releases of anything. And then just consider the fact that maybe they're just fucking terrified of the public and the public's reaction when they, really can't, they, they can't please everyone because they put out something that's like a reworked old version and somebody who's loved the previous version is going to grumble and say, well, this isn't my version of this game. <laughs> and that's then true. if they... 
it, if they don't change something in there, you know, all the quote unquote woke people are going to be like, oh my God, this is so problematic. And they just can't please everyone. So I don't remember. Gonna be like, you know what? Fuck that. We're going to, we're going to do something entirely different and it, everyone's going to be co fine with it because, but, but you they know. Are, but they aren't though. They are doing that thing. They went back They're and changed the old one. Yeah. Yeah. That like, is, that is true. Yeah. But like, I, you're totally right though. Listen, like, like they can't please anyone. Listen, I'm, I'm, I'm the dude. I played the old one, and I'm complaining about the new one, even though they're doing a thing that I would prefer with the new one, which is changing it and updating it, and making it bigger, right? Like, and I'm still complaining. Right. But uh, well, we're still I guess they can't win. <laughs> exactly. But I mean, they can't win with me, anyways. Like, I'm not. This product is not made for me because I don't buy their products anymore. So no. it's. <laughs> but at least, like. At least if we don't buy them, we can still say, hey, this is a step in the right direction. But this obviously isn't because with how we jive, with how we play the game and how we look at the company and how we look at, like, how to appeal to players like us, mm -hmm. like, that's this doesn't jive for us. Like, I'm totally willing to say, hey, this was a win for Wizards of the Coast. I might not be buying it, but I'm really happy for those who are still buying their products and who are going to support, like, them doing really, like, making good moves like this. Mm -hmm. But this is not one of those moves. <laughs> like, it's just, at least not for players like me. It's so like before we, like, I do want to move on. We have lots of other stuff to talk about, but I want to ask one more question for you two. And I want to answer it as well. What what could Wizards do to win us back? Like, is there a product they put out and go, I'm buying D&D products again. I'm going to buy this new thing. Is there something? Because for me, I think the answer is they can't. Because I, I've already always bought lots of other games at different purposes. But now, like, I'm running a fantasy campaign in a different system. And it's running well. No one's complained. No one's been like, I wish this was D&D. You know what I mean? Um, everyone's starting to try out different games and a little less fear. Even you, you were like, I only played D&D. I'll try something, I guess. But, like, you've now played half a campaign in one. And you're like, okay, like, this is good. Like, uh, when we talked about playing in another system, you're like, I'll try it. Like, before, you, you wouldn't have tried it. Now you're, like, down to play another game. So I'm even seeing players who are a little bit against new games from D&D are trying other stuff. I don't have a reason to go back to D&D, &D, I don't mm -hmm. think. Do you? Let's start with you, Lissa. Is there a reason why you'd start buying D&D &D stuff again? Um, I am looking forward to running a Curse of Strahd campaign, but I already bought the box set. Um, so I don't necessarily know that I would need to buy anything else for that unless they came out with some other kind of like gothic horror esque specific uh campaign or sort of book. Mm -hmm. I And I can don't already send you the, the gender yeah. swapped uh Curse of Strahd. Right? I, 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 I already bought that as well. So, so you know, you like I'm, I'm good. I'm good. She's the ancient. I as soon as soon as I learned about it from Beth the Bard, I'm like sold. I, I bought it. I was like no brainer that I need it. Um but yeah it for me, I yeah, I don't I don't think unless they came with something that's specific to like my niche and my interest, um I I might be interested in like Strixhaven, but even so, I'm gonna wait to buy that because I do not trust Wizard of the Coast um at all whatsoever at this point. And I am I am looking to delve into other TTRPGs and I I played Alien RPG yesterday, last night like <laughs> heck yeah did you like it i love that system i i really did like it i 
I do have some issues with it in that, like, I'm not used to playing that kind of campaign, but um, that's just, I think... Like, it's just a horror movie? Yeah, also, the fact that it was, like, it was so American, and it was, like, so... (laughs) It was, was, like, army lingo, and it was so, like... I don't even know how to... the setting, right? Like, you're on the way... Exactly, because it's the the setting, it's, like, you are a Marine, and then, like, my GM made a joke of, like... (laughs) Yeah, yeah, so, like, what does a Marine do? Like, what what is the role of a Marine? Because somebody made a joke that, Lissa, you're not a cop. And I'm, like... (laughs) I know it was a joke, but I'm, like, what is the difference between a Marine and a cop? I know that sounds like a very, like, blonde question, but, like, for somebody who does not live in America, who has (laughs) never lived in America, like, a a specific role of a Marine is... I is unclear to me and because the setting is so americanized that yeah. I like it's it's out of my like what I know to be my comfort zone. Yeah, no, that's, that's not, not to say that I I'm, I'm Yeah, so like for me it was like a, a new experience and I have to it takes a little bit of getting used to to the lingo to how you would role play somebody who is a marine and who's supposed to have this background of being a marine you know like a full-time private or whatever and like fighting these aliens and being able to communicate with that lingo like i know it's a it's it's fantasy and i can play whoever i want and i could be like a marine who's just you also don't have to be a marine in that setting at all I yeah I, yeah yeah <laughs> yeah i know but like but it, it was just like it was very interesting in that way but yeah that's an entirely different conversation. Yeah, you're right. That's a different conversation. But like, I was immediately in. I'm like, oh, I love that game. I love talking to you about other games. So I was like, oh, tell me more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get into it. But probably like me and Sharday have already been talking about. Instead of doing another GM special, we're gonna do like a player special where we just talk about stuff, you know, from that angle. So I think we might get into that mm-hmm. a little bit. So make sure you remind me when I ready that show to talk a little bit about the okay. Alien game. But I am super yes. excited that you got to play that because I fucking love that game. I've only got to play it twice. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun, even though I had no idea what was going on. I, I love, I love that <laughs> angle. I really want to talk about that because that's so fascinating. Because that is such an American centric like world, not just for the marine aspect, even though it's a big part of it, but like the capitalistic society. Because the whole oh, idea yeah. is yeah. that you know yeah. these corporations took over space and they're just not making good decisions when bad things happen. Yeah. Which we can't relate to at all in our current uh, climate. No, uh, no. Capitalism? Who Who was that? What? Who's yeah, me? and when huh? I say current climate, I mean climate change. Um... <laughs> That's not real. Uh, Sade, That's... though, is there anything that could get you to start okay. buying D&D stuff again? I think I feel like you'd probably be the easiest sell, right? Because you, you yeah. were the last to leave, right? So... I still play in two D&D campaigns, and mm-hmm. it's still my favorite system. Even though I've started playing campaigns in other systems, I still have a soft spot for it. And I've you're not running anything in another system yet. No, and I've gotten absolutely reamed on TikTok for this, too. So, like, oh, you're supporting, like, this, you know, conglomerate. I'm like, I run homebrew. I don't know what you're talking about. I like the system. <laughs> I didn't say I like Bruce of the Coast, but... That's and you're, you're not the buying more books. Like, you kind of had the no. books already. But, so what could get no, you to but buy like more the, books? No, but, like, the argument is like if you are have a presence on social media where you even talk about fifth edition is you're supporting it which is just such a strange take but that's again that's another conversation but i want to say no but i already i have a very quick answer as yeah, to how they could get me like well actually two L's, first L's. if 
three. (laughs) 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 Just a whole fucking elf book, obviously. Um, Second (laughs) is if they really go hard on doing something like Radiant Citadel, where they um, amplify voices that have not been amplified in D&D's history yet. I want to monetize. Oh my god, yes. I want to I want to show the big bad capitalist company that I don't support a lot of what you do but even if you do this if you do this I will support you just because sometimes money just talks to these companies and maybe they they won't change unless you put your money where your mouth is like I won't support spell jammer because you fucked up I won't support the book that has AI in it because you fucked up I will support books and supplements where you amplify voices and you've taken the steps and you put your you put your own money where your mouth is where you have your spokespeople saying we're never going to we're going to try really hard to not make these mistakes again. If you can show me that, I will consider supporting you again. And the third one is just release a lore book. That's all I've ever wanted from fifth edition. It's just a book of lore. That's it. That's, <laughs> That's interesting. All I like uh, most people would not want that. Like uh, it's something that me and some of the other yeah, players I, I play with a lot is I don't like when a book is all one thing. Like if I buy a book, I want lore, but I want that lore to have stats. So it's at least yeah, I want like yeah, aspect, it doesn't have but... to be just because every no D and D book can just be lore, right? So even the, in the Forgotten Realms campaign settings which were in second edition, third mm-hmm. edition, fourth edition. But more. The campaign setting books didn't just have lore from for the campaign settings they had. Like here is how elves work and here are a bunch of new optional feats for them, which kind of they did a little bit, I think, in what was it, Volos with like the new racial feats or something? Yeah, or like, like Tasha's uh book. Tasha's exactly. But you so want something more akin to that rather than an adventure. Yeah. No, I don't really care about adventures, to be quite honest. Same. Like, I have Strixhaven because it was gifted to me. And I have Call of the Netherdeep because I wanted to support them releasing <clears throat> a Critical Role books. I love Critical Role. So I have a couple. I own a couple of them, either through gifts or I just wanted to own that. But I'm way more of a person who wants something like Fizzbins. I want something mm-hmm. like um tasha's tasha's is probably my favorite source book that they've ever released especially after doing a whole episode on igwill <laughs> but yeah you you want more of those like, source books rather than adventures yes i i agree yeah with i that, want more of those but... source books and i want those source books specifically to have updated lore because looking through you know the lore like we do for the slovenly trolls like we've seen them improve it like when we did our two-part orc bonanza we saw how much they had improved orc lore, and I didn't even know that was there. <laughs> I just found, we found it by accident in what was it? Volos. Last yeah, time? Volos, Volos has some good orc stuff in there. Yeah, it was yeah, it was like Volos of all places. It was like, in a, like yeah, in a four page or something spread about all the gods, all of orc society, and they fixed a lot of the problems. Not they, all of them. They took obviously. their time bringing back orcs because for we a took, long time they're like they're just half yeah. orcs. What what orcs? There's never been whole yeah, orcs. We've never exactly. done something terrible with whole orcs exactly and they they made us and they made steps to fix them and i'm just like i didn't even fucking know this was here i want to see more of that fixing all that problematic crap that it Lisa only took and I talk 60 about years 
It took almost 60 years, exactly. So I would support, yeah, elf book, lore book, a book like Radiant Citadel. So there are things that I, I, I haven't completely given up on Wizards and specifically the creative team at Wizards yet, but I'm not expecting any of these things to happen, but those would be my three things i love it i love it um moving on let's get into our next game this is a decidedly not DD wizards game but i will give a caveat here this is a friend of the show six times over uh <laughs> a member of the vactair which we also collaborate with often even footing games which we've collaborated with and ham pod which i actively always collaborating with dm rick has put out a new game from Even Footing Games called One Baby, One Broadsword. As a lone baby, you are tasked with delving the dungeons beneath Lady Chastity's The Orphanage Where You Live in search of cookies, gold stars, and glory. The game uses the <laughs> Babies and Broadsword system by Even Footing Games. It's a pay-what-you-want. You can get it over on itch.io. So hampod.itch.io uh, or you know that slash one baby one broadsword really easy to find if you go to hampod.itch.io it's right there i'll have the link here for you to go get it it's a pay what you want so you know give them a few bucks it's worth it the game is fucking awesome played it with my kids you can do it with like one player or you can kind of expand it to a few if you've played babies and broadswords which is exactly what it sounds like i always say it's like rugrats meets D. that's basically the that's idea what that, that's exactly what it sounds like <laughs> and, and i mean and that's exactly what it is you know you use uh uh, uh cards to, to go through the game i'm not going to get fully into the system because it's so simple like you're going to learn it in a few mm-hmm. few minutes but uh definitely go check it out i really really liked uh rick's take on the system uh, specifically because it plays kind of like uh the binding of isaac if you two have ever heard of that like dungeon crawling game it's kind of a shoot 'em up no it's a shoot 'em up roguelite where like every run, you know, you have different you find a different item, so that's what you kind of build around as you go through and fight through this dungeon. The idea is you're this little boy underneath his terrible mom's house and you have to like escape all of the scary things that are down there. Um it's a really fucked up sad game. But this has a better lens on it. <laughs> the baby and you have a broadsword. So um go check that out if any of the keywords uh interest you and even if they didn't rick's awesome so go <laughs> go give him two bucks <laughs> buy this fucking game you coward um sorry i didn't mean to get mean there i, I don't want to bully you into buying the game but if you don't i'm going to give you a swirly i mean you did say you're in your angry era today, that's right so. that's right so do it mcfly hello <laughs> hello mcfly <laughs> Uh, <laughs> think, uh, buy this game uh, anyways <laughs> after botching the one last job that was supposed to get them up and out of the irradiated slums of futuristic lower Tokyo two small time crooks Tib and Ren along with their mentor Lee are caught between superpowered gangs a violent police state a class revolution and a leather clad pyrokinetic madman trying to burn it all down thieves family flame Tokyo will burn Written by T.S. Luther, the writer behind Growing Up, drawn by Sky Hawkins, the artist and writer of Exhaust, and lettered by Mike Stock of 32 Kills, Tokyo Fire is a seven-issue limited series that follows two thieves as they navigate the final days of their city and unravel the conspiracy that led to its downfall. With your help, we can jumpstart issue number one and start telling the story of Lower Tokyo's descent into ash. Tokyo Fire comes to the crowdfunding platform Zoop.gg in August. Head on over to Zoop.gg to get notified when the campaign goes live, or go to campykilledcreations.com slash comics for a five-page preview.
See here, your average, everyday woman. She's beautiful, she's graceful, and she really knows her way around the kitchen. I even joined a book club with the other women in my cul-de-sac. What a star! By day, I'm the perfect homemaker. By night, I am... Kaloka, the Goliath blood hunter, and I will slice apart my enemies as I slice apart a delicious honeyed ham. My word, that is no way for a lady of the house to be speaking. Well, that's awfully closed-minded of you. You obviously don't listen to the slovenly trolls. The slovenly what? They're a monthly podcast that deep dive into the lore and history of Dungeons and Dragons. They've done episodes on the drow matriarchy, gender-exclusive prestige classes, and horny goddesses of the Forgotten Realms. Horny what? Oh! And he's passed out. Well, what are you waiting for? Go listen to the Slumly Trolls, and you too can make a misogynist fate. Hi, I'm the new narrator, here to tell you that the Slovenly Trolls publish new episodes every month, and they cite all of their sources. Now that's spiffy. And don't forget, you can listen to the Slovenly Trolls wherever you get podcasts. Uh, hey, what? Good God! Two women speaking to each other! Police! Police! Stop them! Kaloka also has proficiency in unearned strikes. <laughs> Moving on, Assassin's Creed TTRPG releases quick start rules ahead of Kickstarter. Uh, this is kind of exciting. People have been really, really pumped for this game. Uh, the Assassin's Creed world and uh, audience, like fan base, is so fascinating because it's so splintered. You have people like me who loved the original few games and loved the lore of tying through like the original story that's happening in the present day with the fantastical going back in time and this computer and how they linked up. And then they killed off all those characters and said, fuck it, let's make this a Witcher clone, um, which tons of people freaking loved. And then there are people who are like, just say, I want the pirate version. I don't care about any of the Assassin's Creed of it all. I don't want the lore. I want pirates. Give me pirates. Yeah, exactly. Fun. There's a lot of people like that. Like, I'm sure there are. I don't. I've never played it, but I've listened to the soundtrack a lot, and it's dope. <laughs> right, it, 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 it's a great soundtrack. Great <laughs> game, great honestly. Soundtrack. I do like that game. I like pirates. I I understand that part of the lore, but they're like it's so splintered. But a lot of people are agreeing they want to check out this TTRPG, which is pretty cool. So I'm gonna read from Christian Hoffer's article over at Comic.com. Assassin's Creed fans can get an early look at the soon-to-be-released tabletop RPG this week. Uh, Kaman is the name of the company. Released the quick start rules for Assassin's Creed role-playing game. It's funny. Like, it's just, come on. Uh, but that's what it is. Which will be released via Kickstarter next month. While not a full rule set, the quick start rules uh, packet provides some insight as to the rules and what fans can expect for the new game, which was designed by uh, Massimiliano Castellani and Andrea Machi. In interestingly, Assassin's Creed role-playing game doesn't adapt an existing tabletop system, but instead uses a new bespoke game engine focused on custom dice in a bleed slash sync track that unlocks additional abilities as a player as they complete certain objectives in a scene. Uh, so that was the part that got me. I, I downloaded the quick start guide. I'm really excited because like it plays 
like the original game. So you're inside yeah. of the animus, and if you do things like wrong or get hurt, you could get pulled out of the animus, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I liked that. That's really bespoke and, and really new in comparison to other games. And you know, I'm a sucker for someone making their own system. It's just another one I get to add to my collection. So I'm excited for this. I think this might get me back into Assassin's Creed in a way none of the games can because if I wanted to play The Witcher, I'd just go play The Witcher. Um, right. which I will, I will go play the Witcher. <laughs> I'm going I'll to go play the Witcher. Hello. You guys want to talk about the Witcher? Because, <laughs> oh man. Uh, I, I mean, just the game. I, I Witcher three specifically too. <laughs> I mean, I love, I play the Witcher two and three and I actually yes. love both. I love Agreed. Both of them. But They're I don't like replay Witcher two. I never replay I it. Want, I want to, cause there are two like very distinct branching paths. 100% want the one that you absolutely know that i chose but mine's so. exactly that one's canon right like you sit down you have the drink game's over like it's perfect they don't need to change it <laughs> and i never will that is my version of witcher 2 so i've never gone back uh but anyways so assassin's creed uh the new game coming out is does this do anything for you too uh char are you interested in going to play some vr shenanigans and i'm interested with like the custom dice and the additional abilities because it almost sounds like they're trying to mimic just a video game ability tree which Mm -hmm. is interesting and i'm sure like a lot of ttrpgs like have their own version of that's how you level up in a game right it's like an ability tree yeah genesis specifically every character has like a tree that you go through like like all of their star wars games um that's all like you have an ability tree for your class and you go down it. yeah but this one is specifically like completing a scene which means mm-hmm. it, it it's marketing itself as more cinematic and more narrative which mm-hmm. always catches my attention because that's how i play any ttrpg that i play like i you will usually hook me if it has a narrative aspect if it doesn't i'm probably not interested sorry <laughs> like, it's got six-sided dice that you love now because you play gurps <laughs> i have i i can count sometimes <laughs> Um, I still prefer D20, and <laughs> I, I this is still my favorite way to play. Like, I think D20s I like better, but I know how to use the other dice now. <laughs> <laughs> Lissa, are you excited for the new Assassin's Creed quick start? I still haven't played Assassin's Creed, so I, like, <laughs> it's good for you. I know it's a good, good game. Good for you. Like, until I've played it, I'm not going to be part of the hype yet. Bless your heart. I've only played, like, halfway through Assassin's Creed 2, but that's really all you need to play. That's, to a, that's a really good one. Uh, I think the combination, like, Assassin's Creed 2 really hit at the time if you mm-hmm. played Assassin's Creed 1 because it just improved on everything across the board. And it was such I didn't a start moment. With the first one, I asked my brother, and I'm like, I want to play an Assassin's Creed game. He's like, Start with two, and I'm like, All right, <laughs> and I did. Well, that's <laughs> such, that such a talent answer. Um, <laughs> I think also it's because he didn't own the first one, and I think I had to buy it. <laughs> that is also um, the Xbox 360 era of gaming was real. Like so, so many right. things were just not just like available from like a click away for a few bucks. Like right, now. exactly. So if you didn't own the hard copy of the game, I think I offered to buy it. I'm like, should I buy the first one? And he's just like, No, you could just play the second one, save money. The second <laughs> one like, is right. so much better. Like you watch a recap video. As long as you watch a recap video and you know all the cool stuff that happened in the first one. Yeah, but I got the gist from what i remember when i was playing it i probably couldn't tell you any plot points now (laughs) but at the time i it wasn't hard to pick up at all starting with two 
man. That takes me back. Moving on. Spooky podcast sensation. Welcome to the Night Vale. Heading to tabletop from the makers of the Power Rangers RPG. So this is just speaking to me on a thousand levels already. This comes from Chase Carter over at Dicebreaker. The makers of the Transformers and Power Rangers RPG are aiming a bit more niche for their next tabletop adaptation. The long-running uh, fiction podcast, Welcome to Night Vale, will make its way to kitchen tables as an upcoming tabletop RPG thanks to a new deal between its creators and Renegade Game Studios. Now, before I go any further at all, what could go wrong with Renegade putting out another tabletop RPG? Because... <laughs> It's not like they're putting out way too many right now. And all of them are getting all the same amount of love across the board. I I definitely don't have a critique of them just, like, flooding their their market with all of these different games. Uh, And, you know, a big part of my issue with it is that they keep buying all the shit that I love. Like, I love Welcome to Night Vale. Like, that's... It's such... uh, it's such like it takes me back because that was like one of the first podcasts I had ever jumped into, and it was so popular at the time. And they just keep buying shit that I love and making these RPGs, and they just they have like five. It seems like they have like five people that work on these books, and they have all these good ideas, but they're spread so thin that they, <laughs> that they can't keep doing all of the stuff super duper well. So I'm just really afraid, again, that they're going to yeah. make another RPG of shit that I like and they can't do it. So, oh man, I don't I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this, but they have a lot of good pedigree behind it. They make good games, they just don't always make good books, in my opinion. That's usually my issue. If they're not necessarily playtested well enough and their layouts aren't always the best. And because they make a thousand of these fucking books... Uh, those issues don't seem to be resolved before the next one comes out. Uh, mm-hmm. They're they're definitely improving on on all the things Power Rangers wise and Transformers wise. I've I've appreciated some of their new releases, but I just worry with Welcome to the Night Vale. It's such a specific setting. It's all about this creepy town. Um, if you know the podcast, it was like a radio broadcast from inside this creepy Twilight Zone town. And it would give you little Easter eggs and talk about the town as if it was like a public announcement. Um, and kind of fill you in on town goings on. Like, um, you know, welcoming all the people that are working on the new dog park in town. But don't visit the dog park. Humans aren't allowed at the dog park. Dogs are not allowed at the dog park. Do not look at the dog park. You know, it's just little little things like that and it's a whole podcast. So, I don't know. I have a lot of mixed feelings. Sharday, what do you think of Welcome to the Night Vale? Um, I never actually listened to Welcome to the Night Vale, but I know of it because mm-hmm. I was on Tumblr in the 2010s. Yeah, how could you not? <laughs> so, <laughs> so, like, I I followed them on Twitter, like, forever ago. Like, again, in my Tumblr era because they post, they do a lot of shit posts and posts that didn't make sense and they were a very entertaining account to follow. But that's about all I know about Welcome to Night Vale. So when I saw <laughs> this, I'm like, Welcome to Night Vale. TTRP I feel like I missed something like what did I miss but now that you've explained it and like the premise of the actual podcast I'm like oh yeah no I guess that does make sense and I am interested you know how they would adapt something like that because it's the premise itself like it seems like it could be really unique and interesting a uh, like it's its own system 
But yeah, I, I, I really hope well they go with their own. Yeah, I really hope they go with their own system and not use the the Essence 20 system that they use for all the other games right now. My Little Pony, Transformers, Power Rangers, mm-hmm. G.I. Joe. Because that does not fit Welcome to the Night Vale at all. No. Um, like, you've Sounds played like you've played the Essence 20 system. It's a very cinematic game. It's like D&D. Yeah. If, like, everybody was on steroids. Like, it's just, go right. do a cool thing. Roll D20s. Yeah. Like Which you don't roll cool one, you roll fun. four. <laughs> this seems this seems more like a dread system. Yes, exactly. Like, like some sort of storytelling type deal. Yeah, storyteller horror rules light kind of like st- t- telling stories around a campfire kind of vibe. But uh, yeah, so I don't know, and they haven't said much about it. They just announced that they're mm-hmm. making it, and that's the, that was the end of the list. So um, I'm excited about it. Lisa, do you care about Welcome to the Night Fell before we move on? Uh, I'm sorry, I got sidetracked with dogs. <laughs> oh, <you're all> good. <laughs> we'll uh, move on. Yes. It's all good. Def- definitely, definitely care. Okay. <laughs> do, do, do you like Welcome of Welcome to the Night Vale at all? It it seems interesting, and like it does have that kind of vibe that I think that I might enjoy anyway. So yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> moving on. Dolman Wood is a mushroom infested old school essentials by way of British Isles folklore. Uh, Spore me a pint adventurer. This comes from Chase Carter over at Dicebreaker, the MVP of the show, it seems. A new interpretation of old school essentials fashions the old school inspired RPG system onto a world suffused with gloomy folklore and a whole mess of mushrooms. Light, deadly, and infested with fungi, Dolmenwood treats its world with a mixture of somber reverence and bedtime ghost story whimsy. The joint creation between OSC creator Necrotic Gnome and publisher Exalted Funeral, Dolmenwood has taken to Kickstarter to crown fund a trio of source books. The world is heavily inspired by the traditional folklore of British Isles and portrays pockets of medieval civilization surrounded by a deep, lush wilderness, chock-a-block with mushrooms, forgotten ruins, barrow mounds, and other wondrous mysteries that can and will imperil anyone who wanders in an up unprepared. If you're unfamiliar with the OSE system, it's one of the most popular RPG systems in the old school revival or renaissance, depending on who you ask. Tradition that takes place of cues from the intentionally difficult early days of Dungeons and Dragons. So if you've heard me talk about these OSRs, these like pretty simple but kind of hard dungeon delvers that uh, don't get too deep into like story mechanics, this is uh, one of the games that I'm talking about. So it uses a 20-sided die, uh, and I think the abilities do a d6 uh, as well. So uh, so attacks, to d- uh, d20, ability rolls, d6s. Uh, I'm excited for another one of these. They're all good. The problem is, is because they're all somewhat good, I, I only really needed one of them. And so I, I don't, I usually buy them and then I play it like once. So I'm not super duper excited when there's already so many coming out. Uh, and Into the Odd has already kind of taken the place of a lot of the OSRs uh, because it's a little bit more modern and has some of the storytelling aspects that I like. And if it's not that, it's Merkborg. You already know. That's where I'm going so I don't know if I'm actually going to buy Dolmenwood this time around. I know you two don't mess around with a lot of the OSR stuff. Any thoughts here at all? I feel like this is Lissa's vibe more so than this is my vibe. <laughs> got some creepy crawlies. Got some mushrooms. Got some weird creepy, creepy crawlies. crawlies and mushrooms have me sold, yes. <laughs> um, the more disappointing part is if so like they talked about the three source books that's all you there's no piecemeal when it comes to their kickstarter 50 bucks digital 
um, gets you all like the full backer kit. Um, includes access to all of their books they're going to put out digitally, um, but it starts at fifty dollars, and then you can get the standard books for ninety five dollars, which gets which gets you all of the print versions, so the three big source books and four additional like pamphlet size, like smaller size, and then you keep going up, you get um, you know uh, the GM screens and whatnot. But uh, so yeah, not a cheap game to jump into if you're looking. Uh, the vibe I'm getting from around it, though, people are digging it. It's already raised a million dollars out of its two hundred thousand uh, uh, dollar goal. So uh, people are people are into it. People like the pedigree. So if that's your thing, let me know uh, why I should be playing it, and I'll tell you <laughs> that I'm playing into the odd. Uh, <laughs> moving on, Ducktales inspired tabletop role playing game sees players embarking on avian adventures. This comes from Dicebreaker as well. Uh, Alex Meehan, Birds of a Feather Roleplay Together, a tabletop role-playing game inspired by DuckTales, sees players creating and controlling cartoon birds. Called Feathered Adventures, the upcoming tabletop RPG has players collaborating together to tell stories about a gang of anthropomorphic birds. I'm so into this, I don't even have to read the rest of the article. DuckTales is probably the favorite show of my entire household, the reboot specifically, but I loved the old DuckTales in the 90s as well. So I'm already in, sign me up, I'm going to buy six copies of this game uh the ttrpg takes inspiration from the classic disney animated series ducktales which first aired in 1987 and followed the adventures of penny pinching scrooge mcduck who finds himself looking after his three rambunctious grandnephews huey dewey and louie when bizarrely donald duck decides to join the u.s navy it's not bizarre he was always uh, he was always a sailor get your shit together alex um over the course of 100 episodes as well as a rebooted series that aired between 2017 and 2021 uh what's up bud okay you're gonna you're gonna be all right hold on one second guys you got it i think i'm on finished tiktok Welcome. Not, no, Enjoy. sorry, TikTok, Twitter. Finish oh. Twitter. Welcome? Um, it says trending in Finland, Turkish, oh my god, I'm so sorry. Turkish Star House. Turkish Star House. Um, it's for industry. Uh, it's growing beings with fur to kill them for their fur. For industry. And why is it trending? Because <laughs> uh, some people like it. A lot of people hate it. Mm. They're growing animals to kill them for fur. Yeah, I mean, that's... Yeah, <laughs> that, that raises some ethical questions. Mm-hmm. Yep. still there yep my son was picking at his toenail <laughs> and made his foot <laughs> and he wanted to show you <laughs> no he was like dad my foot's bleeding i don't know why and i said it, you weren't picking at your nails no tears in his eyes <laughs> I'm like, what? did you have to do this right now he goes i didn't it, i don't know how it happened and i'm like you don't know how 
your foot started bleeding. That's that's more concerning than you picking at your foot. Right. Goes, uh, I'm like, Jesus Christ, let's get you a band-aid. Let's go. Such a goober. But anyways, uh, yeah. I'm super duper excited about this. I, I don't know how much more I can say other than I'm fucking pumped for it. Um, it's a GMless RPG, uh, which is always fun when you want to get into the mix as well as a GM. So this is something I'm like, I would love somebody to run a DuckTales inspired D&D game for me, but that's not going to happen. So it being a GMless game, meaning I can kind of take the reins a little bit if necessary, but I also get to do some cool stuff, which is pretty cool. Um, so I'm excited 10 ways to Sunday about this. Do you two care about DuckTales? Well, now I have the song stuck in my head, so woo. thank you. Uh, woo! DuckTales, woo! I haven't watched the new show, but I heard it's great. It's great. Do you like Gravity Falls? <laughs> I've never watched Gravity Falls. What the fuck is wrong with you people? I just like, listen. <laughs> I don't watch a lot of animated TV shows. You're, listen, you gotta. What What are you doing? What are you doing? I'm what are you doing, Charlie? <laughs> i was gonna that? make a joke about it being outlander i was like what's a what's like a cheesy romance like somewhat sci-fi thing because i guarantee it's something you got like it. that it's just like every time i'm like you should read this book you're like i'm reading this it's fantasy but it's it, mostly does anybody smut. fuck terry yeah, does exactly that's why i'm like no i, don't know I if don't I care. like have you read uh mm, it's mostly fantasy but there's sci-fi and you're so specific i don't know if you would dig it because of the sci-fi part uh but saga i gotta recommend saga because people be fucking i've been saga. recommended saga since my undergrad i remember people were really super into saga and i almost started reading it but again i don't read a lot of graphic novels or comic books so like it's been on my list forever but I just haven't gotten around. I have literally I can every single it. issue. Yes, thank you, Lissa. <laughs> so you can come borrow it whenever. I, I do own a fuck ton of it. So, uh, nice. anyways, yeah. So Ducktales, Lissa. Ducktales, Lissa, Lissa. Ducktales. Ducktales, Lissa. Ducktales, Lissa. Lissa grew up with Ducktales. Fuck so yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. I was like, I was like, maybe, maybe my '90s me? cartoon homegirl will come through for me and and say I am she your likes '90s cartoon homegirl. Yeah. Yes. Apparently. The, that, sounds, the, that sounds super weird, but apparently because yes. all the Power Rangers love. That's really what it yeah. comes down to. I mean, yes, that's true. Don't make it weird. You made it weird now. <laughs> I try. I try to show you the love, and you're like, no, I can't have it. I do like cartoons. Listen, but not listen. With you. Any, any, anyone showing me love, I'm very suspicious about. Ah, uh, that's fair. That's and you know what? Probably correct. So, mm. yeah, so I'm excited to check this out. This might be one I can get the entire family into, which is another reason why I'm pumped about it. But you can get it over on itch.io. Uh, let's see, for 15 bucks. Go do it. Do it, you cowards. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm so I'm like reading the rules right now. <laughs> uh, man. Anyways, uh, let's move on to the last book of this segment. For Eat the Reich, uh, this was sent over by Lissa weeks ago, but also it, since then has gotten mega popularity. Um, let's see if I can get this up. I have the Kickstarter right here. Eat the Reich. The year is 1943. You are a team of crack vampire commandos with one mission. Drink all of Hitler's blood. Uh, do you need to know more? Do it. Do you need to know more? That is everything you need. Exactly. Do, do you need to know more? Like, that's... 
just that tagline i like i saw that and i'm like i am so sold we're not sure of a lot of things right like we're a pretty anxious <laughs> group of people but i am sure that fuck nazis yes yeah, uh, you know absolutely. just no doubt in my mind so the in fact case we that, need to put it on the record fuck nazis yeah listen like i don't think it needed to be said but it needed to be no, said you know let's put it on let's, need to be, listen we're we know that neo-nazism is a growing problem throughout the world like we understand that listen we we put out a statement fuck nazis nazis can go fall in a hole um yeah. or get eaten by vampires which happens in eat the reich i just love this so much uh mm-hmm. you, you can you can also back this game for uh uh let's see they have a retailer access but you can get a pdf for 12 pounds is that the pound symbol help me out i'm i'm american what is that symbol for the <laughs> that money? is the i don't know what i don't i see the dollar sign so i don't know what <laughs> My Kickstarter did not recognize me as American. Yep, it's pounds. Ha <laughs> ha, nailed it. Oh, no, it. there it is. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I scrolled down a little bit more, and I have found the pound symbol. Yes, it is. <laughs> okay, I was like, oh, well, mine says it's in pounds. That's so, yeah, it's so strange, because the, the stuff up top, like how much money is pledged is in dollars for me, but I scrolled down <laughs> to the tiers, and it's five pounds, and then right underneath it says about $7. So. <laughs> so you can get the physical book too for 25 uh, about 32 dollars in real money uh so <laughs> <laughs> eat the reich is a tabletop wow. role-playing game in which you a vampire commando are coffin dropped oh god so cool into occupied paris and must cut a bloody wow. swath through nazi forces en route to your ultimate goal drinking all of adolf hitler's blood it's written by grant howitt of honey heist spire heart uh, check out all those games. They're fucking great. And illustrated by Will Kirkby. Uh, Critical Role, Image, Dark Horse, Dark Horse, Boom. Those are comic books, if you don't know. Uh, <laughs> I love the artist. Uh, amazing art. Um, man, this book is just so cool. I'm, I'm getting a loss for words. This over-the-top, ultra-violent game is designed to be played from the beginning to the end in one to three sessions of Carnage, Blood, Magic, meaningful flashbacks, and hundreds upon hundreds of extremely dead fascists. It tells one story, it tells it loud, and it tells it brilliantly. Think Wolfenstein crossed with Danger 5, and you're not too far off the mark. Eat the Reich is a lavishly illustrated, beautifully written, 72-page rulebook, and it has everything you need to get started. A quick-to-learn D6 uh, dice pool system, the Havoc engine, that encourages creative violence, enemy reinforcement rules that keep the vampire invaders on their toes, pre-generated iconic characters with room to level up, gruesome augmented Ubermenschen, drink-their-blood-to-level-up system, non-accurate maps of Paris with lots of locations, <laughs> details, and ideas for fun things to destroy. God, this is the coolest thing I I have ever read. Uh, uh, hats off to whoever like made this page. <laughs> they just like, they killed great. it, man. They just they killed, killed it. it. Well, gonna back this. Uh, I have not backed a Kickstarter that wasn't a comic book in a little while. I had been really focused on comic book stuff, but man, well, this got me. You know. Yeah, it's it hits. This is all why. This is why I suggested it. I was like, <laughs> "Good, call. I need we we need to talk about this, Terry. We need to talk about this." You weren't wrong. <laughs> this is just so cool. Have you seen the pre-generated characters? I yeah, I saw some of them. They are amazing. I know. Like, I, I love read everything this page about this for an hour. But just go check this uh-huh. out. Go check this out on Kickstarter. Eat the Reich. Um, I'm gonna join this. Uh, you still have lots of time too. Like it got backed quickly. 
Um, which is not surprising. People fucking love Honey Heist. Uh, I, I don't know how much people have played Heart. Heart is also really cool. Um, but yeah, so like $25,000 goal. It hit 228000 very quickly. It's got 20 days to go. So yeah, go check this out. Let me know if you want to play it too, because I want to play this game. Uh, this might be the first one that I reach out to the Vactarian and be like, let me run this. Let, <laughs> let me help people murder Nazis because uh, that is what I am want to do. Uh, so yeah, anything to add before we move on to our final story of the day? Nope. No. All no, right. that good. That good. <laughs> uh, moving on to our village crier section, the last section of the podcast this week, where we go into the middle of the town square and we start yelling about stuff you need to know. Um, and they're not always surrounded by things that you can buy. So we have a little bit of a shift in tone because this is kind of a serious story. Werewolf the Apocalypse 5e writer alleges racist and belittling treatment by White Wolf staff. Uh, this sadly, a little unsurprising when it comes to the TTRPG space at the moment. Um, you still hate to see it, but I didn't read this and go, I can't believe it, you know? Um, yeah, which is sad. I know, right? Uh, so writing team reportedly That's asked weird. to create a player's guide to being a Nazi werewolf, which is the exact opposite of the last story, what? right? Yep. Uh, so this comes uh. from Chase Carter over at Dicebreaker. A were uh, tabletop RPG writer hired to work on the latest edition of Werewolf the Apocalypse alleges discriminatory and dismissive treatment by staff members of White Wolf and Paradox Interactive, apparently including the use of anti-Indigenous slurs and a dogged dedication to Indigenous erasure within the tabletop RPG's fictional world. In July, J.F. Sambrano posted to Patreon a public account of their tenure as a contract writer on Werewolf the Apocalypse 5th Edition. Werewolf was originally published in 1992 as an extension to the World of Darkness, largely pushed by the popular vampire The Masquerade. It centered indigenous representation in a very 90s way, meeting plenty of stereotypes, misconceptions, and blatant racism were trucked uh, into the foundations of Werewolf's world building. Uh, so it, think uh, closer to the lines of Twilight when it comes to uh, what they did with indigenous people. That's what a lot of my friends who play <laughs> Werewolf and Vampire the Masquerade have compared it to. Uh, which, like, right, like it's it's funny because it's so ridiculous, but it's so fucked up, right? Like it's, uh, I was told that it wasn't too far off. That it's more in depth, but just as off base. Right. Uh, not so, well researched. Not written by people who would you know that's like their culture 100%. <laughs> you know from what i can understand not researched at all it's just like creating up new shit to be even more fucked up which was even worse mm -hmm. uh sambrano says that hunters entertainment approached them in february 2020 with an offer to work as a primary writer on the upcoming fifth edition of werewolf likely due to their previous work in the world of darkness tabletop community but also their heritage with the cora indian and uh can you help me with this uh chiricue Chiricoi? I think it's Chiricoi. Chiricoi Thank you. I Apache peoples. Uh, Sobrano uh, accepted the offer on several conditions. They were unwilling to create or enshrine negative stereotypes of indigenous peoples. Appropriate concepts or erasure of those people in the text. Yeah, that's like that's why you bring in somebody related to the culture, right? Like, that's mm -hmm. uh, the point. I was overall receptive to the invitation, largely because I was very passionate about the world of darkness setting overall, and Werewolf in particular, due to the impact that 90s representation had on me when I was a younger gamer. Sembrano wrote in the Patreon post, I also felt hopeful that with a really hard rewrite of indigenous aspects of the game, that I could shift a lot of really painful aspects of the game into something that was a net positive for indigenous representation that sounds rad why didn't that happen 
Um, like, why didn't they listen? Sambrano alleges difficulties between Karim uh, Muammar, White Wolf's brand editor, and the writing team emerged early in their relationship. The setting for Werewolf 5e reportedly built the Sword of Heimdall as a primary antagonist. The militantly fascist sect of the large, larger Get of Fenrir faction um, are described by Sambrano as literal Nazis. But Sambrano and the writing team wanted to touch that portrayal amidst a, a younger generation that challenged their forebears' extremist views. Yeah, did that make sense? Muammar uh, allegedly pushed against this portrayal, suggesting that the writing team were cowardly social justice warriors for being unwilling to work with this concept. Sambrano and the team allegedly submitted several versions of an anti-fascist Fenrir culture that didn't lump the entire people into one bucket. Doing so, they argued, uh, meant effectively writing a player's guide to being a Nazi werewolf, something Sambrano and the rest of the writers were unwilling to do. Yeah. That, like, what? Jesus Christ. I know, I know. The editor allegedly refused to capitalize Native American indigenous in editing notes and communication continually used savage as a descriptor for entire tribes despite being told that it was a harmful slur and denied changing the name of two pure ones tribes the uktana and wendigo even after he was informed of their appropriative and disrespectful use of indigenous beliefs muammar felt that having two tribes both younger and older brother representing the indigenous population was too many what the fuck Sam Brown wrote what? they also focused their efforts on several other important elements, changing or removing the term pure tribe from the game, altering uh, totem to patron in mechanical use, moving away from terms such as medicine, skin dancer, and highlight the bulk of cultural theft happening from the beginning of the werewolf until now. That's all like that's that all sounds awesome. Like that I would play Why more of that game. It's just this person who's like nixing all these ideas just feels like a lot of the people you see online who are like you shouldn't change this because this is the way it's always been and everybody's just so sensitive now. Like, that kind of mentality. I can't say anything like, anymore. I can't say anything anymore. Like, this is... It's not like we're, you know... It, it is evil. Like, we're not promoting it. Like, But I oh, like I that mean, it's evil. I like the Nazi werewolves. Can they just let me be a fascist? Gosh. Right, exactly. I just let me live in my fantasy. Let me kill things without feeling bad about it. And Don't I'm like, call me a Nazi. I just want to play a Nazi. Yeah, exactly. Don't call me a Nazi, but I am. Sombrano <laughs> like, alleges that Muammar's belittling and dismissive attitude had a negative impact on the whole writing team, and especially themselves. They claim to have volunteered dozens of hours of free cultural consultancy in order to defend what they believe were apparent improvements to werewolf sordid history with indigenous culture, only to be ignored, stonewalled, or implicitly insulted. Uh, JF wrote uh, on X, formerly Twitter, uh, Hello, I mentioned some time back that I was going to share my experience working with Paradox Interactive on Werewolf the Apocalypse 5th Edition. Here is my recounting of the highlights of that experience. Um, and they get into it over there. Uh, I, like I said, I'll link to this article. Go read the article in full. Uh, it was really well written. Uh, really explains everything you need to know. And then go check out, check out Sambrano's account. Uh, by the time Sobrano uh, decided to bring Muammar's behavior to Hunter's Entertainment's management, the publisher had brought work on the RPG sourcebook in-house and dismissed the writing team from their duties like altogether, so they were just kind of done with that. Sombrano claimed that many of their proposed changes did make it into the final version of Werewolf 5e, but the entire ordeal had soured them on ever working on another tabletop RPG project because of their experience uh. as an indigenous person in the industry. That really sucks. 
Um, they say, I am glad the harmful, appropriative terms were removed from the setting. I am glad I was part of the fight to make that real. I am not so glad that I was treated with hostility and racism by Muammar for the effort and love uh, uh, I put into this work, Sam Brano wrote. I didn't have the opportunity to properly acknowledge how much of werewolf-based themes and settings are twisted and tied up in indigenous appropriation without giving the proper acknowledgments. Uh you know, and then the obligatory dicebreaker reached out to Paradox Entertainment for comment from the company and to Moyamar, but did not receive a reply by time of publication. So no one said anything else about it yet. I have not played uh, 5e Werewolf. I played mm-hmm. a really er- early version of Werewolf and Vampire and Masquerade one summer, and that's about my knowledge of the world of apocalypse as well as like all the stuff we've covered and a few friends that play that stuff so i don't really know how well fifth edition ended up being um like how good of a job they did in fixing some of their issues but it seems that they at least did somewhat of a good job that they did fix some of these in the end but it sucks that it went through that to get there ah I know normally I don't read an article in full when we mention it, go give them the link, but I felt like I didn't want to paraphrase that. No. Yeah, that that's a yeah. awful situation. Like, I cannot. But like you said, it's not surprising because, like, people have been talking more and more openly, especially people of, you know, minority groups, people of marginalized groups about how they've been treated how they've been looked over how they've been just met with this hostility from big publishers from smaller public like it's it's ingrained in many industries but i mean we're pretty in touch with the ttrpg space so i mean you're kind of tangentially aware of it but it just it still sucks whenever this shit comes out like and you, we can still be mad about it. Like we were jaded, but we can still be mad about it. Like this is fucking ridiculous. One hundred percent. And props to them for actually coming forward and talking about it. Like it, it's it takes a lot of bravery uh, because you know that like it's going to make things difficult for you because the internet is a fucking awful place. So, um, but I'm still super glad that they did. I'm sorry for anything else that happens from it, and I'm sorry for the original treatment as well. But thank you for sharing. You know what I mean? Like because it's gonna it's gonna make a difference eventually. Um, cause we can't, yeah. people can't pretend like it's not a thing if you have people talking about it or they can, but they're going to have a harder time. Mm-hmm. Oh exactly. man. Like, um, the more well, of these, the more this comes out, the more people cover it, the mm-hmm. more, um, it's like in articles from respected publications online or otherwise, like the more references people are going to like make to this stuff and the more we shouldn't have to legitimize these stories because we should usually believe people when they say things like this. And just because the industry is so built and our culture, like Western culture is so built against indigenous people, against minority groups, against marginalized people. Like when people do say stuff about this, there's a good chance that they're not fucking lying, but it's still like, it's still good to see in print so that, you know, when this, so that people can feel braver, like more people can come forward because other people were brave enough to take the first steps, you know? Yeah. If it's out there, it's hard for the erasure to, to happen and then go, well, no, that never happened. You know, like, right. Uh, it's on record now. Exactly. 
Well, moving on to our last story of the day, D&D Beyond adds Critical Role Sourcebook in a first for the game. This comes from Noel Corbett over at Dexerto. Darentine Press uh, published Sourcebook Taladore campaign setting Reborn has been released on D&D Beyond, marking the first time Wizards of the Coast platform has added third-party content. Uh, this is like a big deal. It kind of got glossed over um, last week, but yeah, so... Uh, the widely used official Dungeons & Dragons digital platform D&D Beyond just got a little bit bigger with one surprising addition. The Critical Role Sourcebook Taldori campaign setting Reborn has just joined the platform. Released in January 2022, the book includes plenty of content for those who want to play their game in the series World of Exandria, including new subclasses, items, and monsters. Now, I, I included this story not necessarily like, oh, look, you can go buy this thing, but because this is exactly what we said would happen. Um, partly yeah. because of how quiet sometimes Critical Role has been in Darien Team Press when it comes to some of D&D's uh, bigger uh, kerfuffles, um, mm -hmm. mistakes that have happened in the past. And uh, we've said, well, they're probably working with them and they probably either legally cannot say something or don't want to because they're trying they to expand. And this is exactly yeah. what we said would happen. They're going to put Talad Array on D&D Beyond. And look at this. Look, look at who was right. Look at we this, were look right. At, look at <laughs> yeah. So proud of us. And, <laughs> we know stuff. We, we get it. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know what else to say other than, you know, look, I told you so. Which is partly right. what this is for. But also, I'm like, what does this necessarily mean? Are we going to see more third-party stuff going to D&D Beyond? Them using it more as a platform? I think that's an interesting market uh they already use drive through rpg for a lot of that stuff um for officially doing third-party content together um but now that they own DD beyond and they're trying to uh compete a little bit harder i'd say in that space mm -hmm. um this is interesting it's interesting seeing uh more talent array being tied because it's already been so tied but not officially right um seeing this be like a fifth edition product on the fifth edition platform on their marquee mm -hmm. website that's a mm -hmm. that's a thing and we talked about them possibly putting out a competitor to D, &D. what does this mean mm -hmm. in that conversation maybe we need to do a whole episode on that maybe the last few minutes is not okay. enough time to dive into it but Sharday, i'd love to hear your thoughts first up on this uh, well yeah i have no idea what this means i think it just means this solidifies D, D and critical roles relationship in a way that we we know has been around for a while like D, D beyond before it was bought by wizards of the coast it's sponsored basically all of campaign two of critical role mm -hmm. and i think in campaign three they weren't the official sponsor anymore but i think sometimes they still sponsor they I, still I sponsor sometimes I've, I've still seen like, yeah. like their little ads that they that they do. Yeah. yeah 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 i haven't kept up with campaign three so i can't say for sure but i did watch a lot of campaign two and they were basically every time they are announced they were announced D, &D beyond was announced as like the official sponsor of like critical role basically like they switched from pen and paper to tablets just so they can use D&D Beyond in every single one of their episodes and it like they've had a relationship with the company D&D Beyond for a really long time so like if you track that history this makes complete and total sense and then the fact that it was bought by Wizards of the Coast I don't know if that expedited the process, if it made it a little bit like more difficult because mm -hmm. of all the stuff that's been happening. I'm not sure. But it's not surprising that, you know, D&D Beyond, this is their first foray into publishing a third-party 
product, especially since, you know, Paizo and Cobalt Press and all that. They were very outspoken during the uh, debacle earlier this year with the open game license. So sticking with Critical Role, this has probably been in the works for a really long time, but mm-hmm. it just kind of solidifies that. But I honestly, I have, I would need to think more on what it means for their own IP and like Critical Role's own game that they are pushing and starting to develop candela obscura all of that stuff i i'm not 100 percent sure what that means i don't know if this means like they're sticking with D longer than planned or if they are planning on leaving it after this campaign and this is kind of their farewell gift like i don't know i have no idea what this means i know it, it is I fascinating right it. like that is the big yeah. question is what does this mean for maybe less so for candela obscura but more for their their big fantasy campaign use game that they've teased. Yeah. I don't I don't remember what it was yeah. called, um, but they have talked about yeah. putting out one that yeah. like they yeah. they've said things like oh you could play this for a whole campaign and it has growth and it's fantasy <laughs> you know like yeah, they're seeing all like, the words that sounds awful like a lot like what you're doing with D and D though exactly exactly <laughs> so i'm really curious what this means for that and i think only time will tell anything we'd say yeah. here would be conjecture anyways but i think that that's this is definitely an interesting rub on the whole thing uh yeah. I, I can't wait to see where it goes just for like the drama of it all i just want to see the tea i'm thirsty i just i want to know <laughs> yeah i just want to know what's happening just let me know we're thirsty uh, for stuff that doesn't involve racism and like, exactly racism. like i love that i you can want... dive into the corporate tea of it and not, people aren't being subjugated like that's uh yeah yeah yeah. this is like the good tea this yes. is like freaking tea not the please stop being awful people tea god i, I <laughs> wish that we could just have this kind right but uh, right, but no, yeah. naturally not. Not with wizards. Lissa, as the resident Critical Role fan, you, anything you want to add before we go? Yes, I know of Critical Role. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> thank you so much for that addition. Uh, we're we're gonna head You're out. You're so welcome. <laughs> This episode has been brought to you by Hampod. Go listen to DM Rick, uh, you know, kill all of their players with Greek mythology and gods. Uh, That's available on all sorts of podcasts as well as on YouTube. Go listen, you cowards. Um, Also brought to you by Tokyo Fire, crowdfunding on Zoop right now, zoop.gg. You can go back my comic book tokyo fire t.s luther that name that pops up on the cover that's me that i'm that guy i write comic books it's a full cyberpunk meets x-men adventure about two thieves who have to deal with superpowered criminals superpowered cops radiations revolutions all sorts of crap when they just wanted to get out and get paid uh it's a really awesome book working with sky hawkins uh we're still backing it for another or crowdfunding it for another 24 ish days right now as of recording so you still have time we got posters lots of rewards tiers uh a bunch of different covers i drew one of them so if you like my art it's better over there because i worked on it for like three months uh (laughs) so go check out tokyo fire uh please Uh, it keeps the lights on literally i have to sell this comic to pay rent so come help me i love you i'm begging okay um (laughs) and end of commercial you can find me on tiktok mostly 
at CBK Comics. Uh, go follow me over there. I see lots of funny stuff and cry sometimes. But it's like a good cry. Like, thank you for clicking like. And then I cry because I'm an emotional being. But I'm also on Blue Sky now. What up? <laughs> yes. Thank you, Charday, for the code. I'm on the Blue Sky at uh, Can't Be Killed. That's that's me over on Blue Sky. I'm also on Threads at Can't Be Killed. So find me on Threads. I made the jump. I did it. I'm on threads. I was pushed by some of my, um, um, some of my, uh, friends who do, um, uh, comic books. They're like, we're selling a lot of comic books on threads. So I'm on threads now. I'm not anywhere else. I'm still on X, I guess, but I'm done. Uh, Sharday, where can the people find you online? They can find me as the best half of the Slavonly Trolls podcast, where we talk about D&D and the problematic lore and history and encourage people to do better. And I also tangentially run the Slavonly Trolls Twitter, even though Twitter is dying, but I'm still there. Uh, at Slovenly Trolls, um, also on TikTok, at Slovenly Trolls, and also on Blue Sky, at Slovenly Trolls. Woo! Lissa, where can the people find you online? She disappeared. She's dead. They can't, they can't find Lissa online, but Lissa does run the Slovenly Trolls Instagram and the Cave Trolls Twitter account, or sorry, X account. <laughs> um, at Cave Trolls Pod. You can also email us at campykilledcreations at gmail.com if you want to, you know, ask a question and you don't want to get on X because you're done with all of that shit. Um, and Lissa is also some other places, but I don't know if it's official. She runs the Instagram at Slovenly Trolls. She runs the threads at Slovenly Trolls. Thank you. Thank you. Would you just look at it? Did you look at it? I'm <laughs> just looking at it. Follow us. <laughs> <laughs> we have been the cave trolls and we're sorry. And we're out. And we are done. It's done recording. Where? We're all free. Once again, we have that special time where we get to thank our Patreon producers. Right now, we have Kim Winson, Jeremy Raymond, the Lorax, and Trellbot. Thank you so much for helping us keep the lights on, the mics rolling. You keep chicken sandwiches in our pockets, and you keep us having fun on the mic. Thank you so much.